0: Welcome to this episode of the FC Podcast. My name is Stuart Taylor and I'm here with Robert Garland. Welcome to the FC Podcast. How have you been this month?
1: All's good, Quiet on the Western Front as they say. Uh, Now the the rain's uh, eased off a little, but it has been a terrible uh,
0: period for a lot of Australia. We've had an election last week. There's been a lot that's happened. You've got to come up with three things that have sort of happened in the realm of sport. And the last two months we've talked about uh, the passing of of two incredible sportsmen, um, Shane Warne and Rodney Marsh. And unfortunately, we're in a situation where you're probably going to have to talk about the passing of some Australian greats again.
1: You're spot on. So look, I've seen what's happening currently and it's opportune through a, the FC podcast format to uh, reflect on some of our sporting legends, as tough as it might be, we can leave that message. It's the best way for them to be remembered.
0: It's a hard line to, to manoeuvre between, isn't it? Not making this podcast a memorial for pe- when people die. So it was important that we really spent some time about Shane Warne and, and Rodney Marsh, legends of the game of cricket, No different are the two people that you're going to talk about in this podcast that have also passed in the last month, but we're not going to break it down into two separate episodes. We're going to go and back to our original concept, which is the podium where you choose a bronze, a silver and a gold. And apologies to people who might think that choosing one over the other is, is a bit uncomfortable, but I guess for the purpose of this, we're categorizing the impact they had on us. So you're going to go through and you're going to give a bronze, silver and a gold for things that touched you this month in relation to sport.
1: Yeah, that's correct, Stuart. I appreciate your clarifying. And uh, without uh, further ado, I'd really like to acknowledge Jack Newton. You know, we hear a lot about Greg Norman, of course, uh, one of the greats um, that's been overseas for some time. But Jack was one of Australia's successful golfers in the uh, 70s and early 80s. And uh, his biggest win was uh, second in the US Masters against Seve Ballesteros. So he was like uh, Greg Norman's shadow. But
0: for Australians, he was quintessential Australian. This part's going to be hard for me because I was born in 1975. I love sport, but I wasn't into golf at all. I came from a Scottish family, which you would think that they'd be into golf, but they weren't. So I don't know much about Jack other than you hear about the persona and the person he was and what he did for the community, the Australian community, but uh, what made him special as a golfer?
1: Well, I just think he was casual. He, uh, and he was a knockabout bloke. He, you know, he finished a game of golf and went to the 19th hole and grabbed a beer as many do. He just, he just, loved the sport. And at the height of his career, he had a near fatal accident. And I really want to reflect on that about the resilience of human spirit. And it knows no boundaries. As far as I'm concerned, uh, Jack does get a a gold medal for resilience, but he's my bronze uh, position. But he, he walked into a spinning prop on a Cessna plane that was parked at the Sydney airport. It was really horrible weather at the time and Uh, We won't go too much into the why and where's for that, but as a result, he lost his right arm and eye and sustained severe abdominal injuries. Now, for many of us, a kick in the teeth like that would send us home with our tail between our legs, never to be seen again. He had a 50-50 chance of living and was eight weeks in intensive care. Just an incredible uh, resolve.
0: And he was right-handed as well, so it was a significant injury but also one that made it challenging.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and he makes true on the saying that if it don't kill you, it can make you stronger. And after a lengthy rehab, he became a re- well-respected golf commentator, a golf course designer, a public speaker, and headed up his own junior golf foundation. And top of that, if that wasn't enough, his love of life and determination and grit saw him teach himself to play golf one-handed swinging his left hand and his right hand stance, which if you can figure that out, that's fairly awkward. So take a bow, Jack, uh, RIP to a
0: great golfing Aussie legend. The project did a piece on him recently. He died age 72. And there's a part in that clip of the project that really spoke to me. And I want to share it with you. You I think it speaks to what you're trying to communicate. I think when you have a disaster like I had, there's two things you can do. You go away, sulk in the corner for the rest of your life, die, or you can pick yourself up and go forward. Short but powerful words.
1: It poked everyone in the eye back then because you've got to remember there there wasn't that many Australian golfers at the elite level. There's a lot more today uh, as as golfing's grown as a sport across the world and, of course, uh, Greg Norman led that charge for a lot of Australian sports people. But Jack, sitting in that shadow, made a name for himself before and after the injury. And you've got to take your hat off to him. just
0: horrific injuries. So I think with adversity, you've got to make a choice, give up or get going.
1: Yeah, and he got going and died much loved and well-respected.
0: And a very, very good choice for your podium. Your next podium position belongs to somebody who I, who I adore. I'm a cricket tragic, I love cricket, but this guy was a Queenslander. He was an Australian and he was a legend.
1: Yeah, Stuart Andrew Simons, what more can you say? It's just another tragedy. You can tell by the number of accolades that are just flowing from all over the country, all over the world. He was a true sporting legend, but not only that, there was a lot of affection for him and no more than the, the, the nickname he was given, Roy.
0: You love nicknames. Uh, do you know why he was called Roy?
1: Well, it's always a bit of a treat to discover uh, the origin of any nickname that sticks. Now, he got it from his teammates who felt he looked like Leroy Loggins, who was uh, the captain of the Brisbane Bullets uh, basketball team. What uh, Andrew quite took his fancy was that he actually didn't get it, but he found it funny, and I reckon that's gold. That's the type of character he was. So what underpinned the type of bubbly personality was that he made himself stand out in a sea of players and faces. You couldn't miss him uh, wherever he went. He was larger than life.
0: One of the words that I heard a lot about him, and and it rings true, is mateship. He had a very good mate and a friendship in Matthew Hayden, who was, in my opinion, one of the greatest Australian cricket batsmen to live, outstanding Queensland cricket mm-hmm. batsman. I, I, I loved him and I loved the relationship they had. So it was only fitting that the Boxing Day Test match where he scored a century for Australia and he was sharing the crease with his mate. Andrew Simons actually talked about this moment when he was interviewed for the Cricket Legends, which is a show that talks about cricket and this is what he had to say about that moment.
2: If I if I had a flashback of some of the things that I've done with Haydos, you know, I can I can see us um, sinking a boat, swimming to shore. Um, I can see us, you know, training really hard together, hitting thousands of cricket balls together, up in the golf together. I can see us on his farm together. I can see it when he first had his. See us when he first had his children. To be able to play Test cricket for your country on Boxing Day, which is the best Test match you will ever play in. That's the test that you want to play. And to be able to score 100 with, with one of your best mates on that day. Um, my grandfather had passed away earlier that year and he always used to come to Melbourne and watch me play. Um, and then to score Test 100 with Matty and I felt like Grandad was there as well. So um, that was the, the embrace was pure um, pure passion and I suppose like going through all that together and ground out up in the sky and all that sort of thing, that all sort of overflowed into the into the celebration. And I actually hugged hate or sat hard, I crushed his helmet into his head and he had a sort of a blood blister, like a 50 cent piece on his forehead there. There's a fair bit of passion in the embrace. Wow,
0: that's beautiful. I think that's why so many people have come out and talked about how much they've missed him, how upset they are. On the 14th of May, 2022, at about ten thirty at night, he's driving with his two dogs in the car. A typical Australian country boy, driving in his car on a mm-hmm. country road, and something goes wrong, and he crashes the car, and it's fatal. Roy Andrew Simons, forty-six years of age, gone. Yeah, absolute tragedy. You cannot express, I suppose, uh,
1: the loss. Uh, considering where he was at. He was reinventing himself again as a commentator. Uh, he was breaking new ground. He's got a young family. Yeah, you know, he was just hitting his straps in the same way you know, one of his best mates, Shane Warne, was. It's just wrong on any level and reminded to us all that we need to take care of what life we have. It, it's, a, it's a challenge for us all, but, you know, unfortunately, Roy lost his life and and the best we can do for him now is honour him in his passing and through FC Podcasts, it's a great honour to be able to speak about a little bit of his
0: magic. I think it's a lesson for everyone to don't leave your kind words and your love for when someone dies. Get them out now while they're still living because you don't know when you're going to lose somebody. I think
1: considering the size of the character he was, he was demonstrative on the field and and intimidatingly. But you could tell at the end of the game he'd walk off with a cheeky grin. And people loved that, like they knew they were up against it. And he showed no mercy. He belted that ball, took the skin off it in multiple venues and in multiple forms of the game. And for nearly a decade he was just unstoppable.
0: I've got to say before we move on, I don't think I've seen a better fielder live. I've seen John T. Rhodes, I've seen the War Brothers, I've, I've seen Ricky Ponting. I've seen so many incredible fielders. And Andrew Simons was up there with all of them. As far as fielding in the short goes, I think he was equal to anyone. But I remember being at the Gabba when I was very young. He hadn't played for Australia mm-hmm. yet, so it'd have been he would have, he would have been playing for Australia in 1998. I reckon I would have seen him 95-96 playing the Sheffield Shield and they were warming up before the game. And he was mm-hmm. standing on the ropes and he threw a ball from one side of the field as flat as you like over the pitch – and over to the other side, where someone was catching the ball with keeper gloves, and it was so fast, so flat. I've never seen a ball thrown so far in my life. He was a great batsman. He could bowl off spin. He could bowl medium pace, but his fielding was outstanding. He's six foot two. To move that around with that agility, he was a true
1: athlete. He probably could have uh, played any sport, e- even. Um, At the elite level of AFL, uh, I'm sure he would have cut it if he he took a path that way.
0: He was training with the Brisbane Broncos and he played a game with Wynnum Manley in Brisbane here. He played a game. He loved rugby league. He was a massive Brisbane Broncos fan and he could have, if he didn't continue on with his cricket, he potentially could have played rugby league. So you're right. He's an incredible sports person or was uh, and, and it's sad to see him go.
1: In recognition of the deep impact he has had, Stuart, on Australian cricket and life in general, following his untimely death, a tribute campaign called Fishing Rods for Roy was launched, referencing his love of fishing in the outdoors, and I
0: just think that's a gorgeous recognition of the good Aussie bloke he was. Absolutely, and he'll be sorely missed. Roy Andrew Simons, rest in peace. Here, here. So let's try and shake off some of this uh, darkness, some of this sadness, and go to something that you are, dare I say, passionate about. I-, I know that you are a Brisbane Broncos tragic. You're a Queensland tragic when it comes to rugby league. So you're speaking of your gold medal podium position, Adam Reynolds, who played for South Sydney and saw the light at age 31 and has come and is now playing for the Brisbane Broncos.
1: This flows on from this theme of resilience, trying to find a new formula, never giving up, reinventing yourself. And I think it's a message for all of us. 10 years of South's, a premiership under his belt. He should still be technically living with family and friends in Sydney, but uh, South cut him loose, much to their, the dismay of their fans. <laughs> They're only going to give him a one year uh, extension and they must be ruining the day now. Uh, 231 games for Souths. He felt there was more to Adam Reynolds. He made himself available. Kevin Walters saw something in him. They had some meetings in Sydney. Kevy reckons, I reckon you'll fit in nicely. Got three years, 800 grand a year. He's just won the lotto. At the twilight of his career, he's now riding a horse instead of going down a Rabbit
0: Warren. I think uh, Brisbane Broncos have done all right with this deal as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the interesting thing when I was looking at why would Adam Reynolds make a difference, in his career he's won two-thirds of the games he's played and he's got a kicking conversion rate, which is 80% plus, which is fantastic in any measure. And why I cover off on that is that Broncos have really suffered with that goal kicking over the last decade. You should be able to kick from anywhere in the field. And I think it's made a huge difference to teams like the Storm, Penrith, Manly. Like, they've had some great results. And you you look at it, kicking's made the difference. And we haven't hit that mark at all. So in he comes. And would you believe it? Here's another little bit of a stat which I've loved stewing over. When he's with South, one in five games he scored a try. In nine games for the Broncos, he scored four, which is almost one in every second game. So he must be having the time of his life. He's only scored 23 tries
0: for Souths and in nine games, four for the Broncos. It's just fantastic. It is fantastic and I'm sure that he would have put on his calendar the day that he was going to play South Sydney. He ended up playing them at their home ground. You talk about resilience. Is this an example of resilience in a player?
1: Absolutely. Well, consider another piece of his history. In 2011, pre-season, busted his knee and he was out for the whole season. So the next year he puts himself back in the mix, is selected for halfback for South. So and then 10 years later, he's moved. So it hasn't been a straight path for a lot of the elite players because they do get lots of injuries in the game. It's, it's a tough game more than ever. You know, three years after his ACL injury, he goes and takes the South to a 2014 premiership. So he's had a magnificent history with South and that could have been capped off. And I suppose the thing that I wanted to touch on was that he wanted to stay at South and pleaded with them, but that wasn't possible. So when we talk about reinventing ourselves, it's not only just a headspace that in an impact sport, you could suffer some fairly significant injuries. And Adam Reynolds, at the beginning of his career in 2011, suffered a season-ending knee injury, ACL torn. He missed 2011. So he turns up in 2012, starts playing for South, and two years later, 2014, they win a premiership. He could do no wrong. I felt Personally, he should have finished with South. I think a lot of South's fans think that. Unfortunately, sport has a money side to it and you never know which way that coin's going to toss. For now, Adam has made a great decision and can you believe in round nine, he scored a try and kicked a goal for a 32-12 victory. And he's basically taken the Broncos from floundering and hot and cold to a real premiership contender. And on that day, he had a point to prove, of course, and the Broncos crowd obviously were for him, but the, the Souths gave him no quarter. Every move he made, every
0: quick kick he made, there was boos and hisses. They were not happy. And this is how he repaid that uh, unhappiness. Had to
1: come rushing in to make the tackle and he
0: didn't miss his target. Pakes okay. and Flegler. Now he pulled through, got it away. Carrigan's there. He gets the miraculous ball from Reynolds! Oh, yeah! What about the ball? I love forwards who pass the ball. I love forwards who pass the ball. I love forwards forwards that are prepared to unload the ball. And here's a couple of really good ones for the Broncos. There were so many examples of him playing such a good game. He was asked a question and he gave an answer and that's why i think he's a perfect candidate for the gold medal on the podium robert garland podium edition of the fc podcast
1: and what a great finish acknowledging our love of the broncos adam reynolds couldn't have put it better we've got the bragging rights so i'm happy with that that chapter is closed i'm excited about the new one with the broncos
0: Robert Garland, thank you for joining me on the FC Podcast Podium Edition. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Yeah, thanks, Stuart. The underlying
1: theme for me for all of those was they've pushed through, having a resilience, a courage uh, under fire.